Hey everyone. Ooh, thanks. Welcome to the Elm City Vineyard. My name is Josh, as Todd said, the lead pastor here. Very excited that you guys are here, that the weather is bright, if not warm. Sometimes you have to celebrate the brightness, right? Uh, just excited to be here with you. Uh, several years ago, I was helping organize a trip, a trip to Uganda with uh, one of my colleagues and good friends, Baker, who lives in Uganda and leads an organization called Global Link Africa. Uh, we're doing things cross-culturally, we're working together, it's going well until I learn there's no place for us to stay when our group gets to Uganda. Our group of about like 15 to 25 people, you know, not, not that large, but 25, right? Like, we don't have a place to stay. And it's three months before, and there's no real update. And I say, hey, here's the money I'm, I'm raising and our budget, and, you know, here's our names again. They're the same names we've had for a while. Like, you have some different names. Like, is there an update? No. Two months, nothing. One month, still nothing. Our Jays in the room, Myers-Briggs, are getting a little bit concerned, right? Like, uh-oh, this is a little bit. It's two weeks, nothing. A little bit under two weeks. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, we need a place to stay. People are asking about bedding. Americans like to ask about bedding and like, what, what's going to go on? What's the bath or shower situation like? There's no update. And Baker says, hey, I'm really frustrated. Like, things aren't just going, things aren't going well. Th that sounds true. <laughs> and he's in office, he's using the phone, he's using his laptop. It's just not going well. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to turn this stuff off. I'm going to go on a walk and pray. I'm like, okay, that sounds, that sounds good. Is there anything? Nope, Josh, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So he does. Now, I had been to Uganda before a few different times with Elm City Vineyard. I know Baker. He's a friend. So I know this prayer isn't just any prayer. Like, it's going to be powerful. I'm excited for that. This is great. My friend is like a prayer warrior. But I'm still a little concerned. I get a call two weeks later. Hey, everything's worked out. How? <laughs> tell, tell me, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, so he tells a story. Hey, well, what I did was I actually just went on a walk. And I prayed. You know, I actually kind of had this posture, right? Walking, looking to God. So I prayed, and I also had a newspaper clipping, you know, and I looked and I said, there's something I'm gonna try. You know, this is Baker, there's something I'm gonna try that's a little risky. His boss wasn't in town, so he saw a clipping that had a rental unit that was way above what they could pay. But he said, my boss would never let me go. But since my boss isn't here, I'm gonna go. So he takes a walk. He goes to uh, this rental uh, apartment, and he sees a woman. The woman's older, and instantly he recognizes that this woman is part of his tribe. Now, they're not in the area where he's from, so this is unusual. So he starts speaking in the local language, and she says, hey, I'm a Christian, after he shares why he's there, that he needs this you know, rental unit for a trip and for these two Christians across you know, the continent coming together, America, Uganda, and she says, yeah, I've been looking for someone to rent to because my family isn't Christian. And I've been wondering, like, what's going to happen to this property? Because I want it to be something good for God. And I would be worried that if it was just my family, they haven't really been good to me. And so this actually kind of meets my need. It seems like it meets yours. It's a deal. And it's a much lower price. So he calls me saying, that's what happened. I'm like, you, you've got to be kidding me. Like, 10 days before we get there, this is what happens. But he's like, that's, that's normal, Josh. Like, I was stressed 
Like I was worried, I was upset, and I just didn't think working harder was gonna cut it. I had to do something different. Now for me, like my like, you know, what I was going to tell Baker before he said he was gonna pray, work harder, like do more, come on. I'll pray, you do, like none of that made, some, seriously, right? Like I will be the one to pray, and then can you do a little bit more work? None of that really made any more sense. And here's the thing too, I love this about the story. It wasn't just a place for us to stay for two, three weeks, that's their headquarters. Like it's their office, like it's worked out for like almost seven years now. And it was all because at a place of frustration, at a place of despair and anxiety, my friend, instead of just saying, let's work harder, let's try more, let's get even more frustrated with screens and technology and numbers, he said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take a walk with God. I'm gonna look up to heaven and say, Lord, I need your help. And it worked. I learn a lot from my friend Baker. I learn a lot from my friends in Uganda. I learn a lot from thinking about how these body postures can be what really redeems and rescues. That when we put our body to work, God follows suit. We're in the middle of a series uh, on, actually, this is my friend Baker and his wife Cindy and their two little kids. It's a whole other story, miracle story. Um, but we're in a series uh, for Lent called Postures of Humility. We've been talking about the power of humbling ourselves, using our bodies to position ourselves in service to God. And as we move our bodies, we trust that God moves our hearts and also that he moves on our behalf. We've talked before here about bowing down to God as a ruler we love and obey. We bow down to get identity as servants. We bow down to see what the Lord wants us to do, what he asks us to do. We've also talked about lying down as a sign of vulnerability and trust. When we lie down, can God pick up our defense? Can he do what we cannot? And today we're gonna to talk about looking up, looking up towards heaven, towards God, no matter how helpless, scattered, or distracted. And we know in some ways when we say looking up, right? It's like, is God like right above this building? Uh, maybe, I guess we don't know. But it, it's a way to posture ourselves to say we are lower, God is higher. To say we are servants and God is king. To say we need your help, God. We look up in a posture that says, Lord, would you move today, right now, immediately? There's a famous psalm that speaks about this about our help. And Tina talked about it last week in uh, part of her uh, scripture about rest, but I wanna start from the beginning of this passage and make our way to the end. It's Psalm 121, if you'd like to follow along. It says this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches everyone. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The Word of God. God's already here. He's already doing things. I don't know uh, if you've sensed it, but for me, I could sense it even during worship together. The Lord is attentive to us. 
he's close and near. And yet sometimes even with that closeness, even with that nearness, it's hard for us to humble ourselves and say, God, we need your help. It's hard for us to take our specific situation that's worrying us, bothering us, and say, Lord, I know you can do this in someone else's life, but can you do it in mine? It's challenging for us to believe and to have faith that the Lord's really concerned for us, if we're honest. What I'm hoping God does today is connect some of the things that we've been feeling, whether it's throughout this series, other times at ECV, your own time with God. Maybe you're here for the first time. It might just be your sense of God being real. I feel like God wants to partner with any and all of that and to tell us today that he wants to be our help. So let's pray together. God, thank you that you are our help. We can lift up our eyes. And when it's asked, where does our help come from? We can say it's from you, Lord. Thank you for that, Jesus. I pray that you be present today. Amen. These two verses, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When someone asks you the question, where your help comes from, what is your response? And now maybe take away your like Sunday at ECV or your Sunday school background or your sense of, I think it's a pastor talking to me, so I have a sense of what the right answer is for him. Take all that away. What's your real answer? What really is your help? Where are you in need of rescue? Where are you paralyzed? And when you're numb, where do you go? Do you go to your own effort, just trying harder? Maybe patterns of addictions? Do you get so distracted or numb that you simply forget about the situation at hand? That's a really attractive one. I think sometimes like, I'll just busy myself, so I'll forget I have the problem in the first place. Isn't that like, kind of like it got better? No, <laughs> but it feels that way. Do we just go internal, thinking ceaselessly over and over again about what could be, how things could have gone better, what we could have done? All these are broken responses to the question of what do we do when we need help? Psalm 121 gives us a potent and powerful picture. We receive help from the Lord. The Lord, as Tina reminded us last week, does not sleep or slumber. God is always working on our behalf. So given that, what do we do in response? When we have troubles, when we have struggles, we look up. We actually get out of our own head. We put down our phone or our laptop or whatever mode we're in of working hard or hardly working. You know, I'm not going to say about your work ethic, but it can be either one. We actually go into God's good creation or even just posture ourselves to look up at something bigger to remember that we're in a story where God is our maker, where God has created these trees outside, but God's also created us, the person next to you. We can take a breath and trust that God is in our lives, doing what God does, blessing us, working to save and redeem in our midst, in our context. It's easier said than done, but looking up keeps us in relationship with God, where our other habits of addiction Habits of distraction and anxious thought patterns take us out of relationship with God and increasingly with others. Do you catch that? Like, when we look towards God, we're in relationship. Even if it's, God, I still don't see what you're doing. God, it still hasn't worked yet. God, I don't feel like you are rescuing and redeeming. We're still actually talking to God. Versus our other habits usually draw us out of relationship with God. And increasingly with others and ourselves. 
And I wonder if that's the big trick. In relationship with God, we actually get closer to God. We get closer to ourselves. We get closer to other people. And these other practices, we fall away. It's as if we're losing parts of ourselves. So how does looking up work? As you might guess, this is like a simple, I think it's going to be a simple talk, and I hope it will be a simple encouragement, but I hope it will have, like these other postures, a, bit, a big impact on you as you reflect and as you actually just take it on. So, you know, what ways can we look up? We can look up immediately, we can look up and around, and we can look up regularly. Those are the three things we're going to talk about today. How we can look up immediately, we can look up and around, and we can look up regularly. We look up immediately for help, for real rescue, for actually seeing God, like, I'm putting myself on the line. What are you willing to do? We look up and around for context, for a bigger story, to know that it's not just us and our problem, but there's something bigger and greater that can help us get perspective, stay in the game longer as we pursue seeking God's help, and also sometimes even that perspective can shift how we're thinking about our problem in the first place. And lastly, we look up regularly for formation because we want to be a people that looks up to God, a people that looks heavenward, that sees what God is up to, what God is doing. We don't want to do that just because we need help. We want to do that because we know God is always up to something. God is always moving. So can I be tapped into the stream of God's loving purposes for today? Looking up is a way of coming immediately to God in a time of crisis, to recognize that you're not the author of your life and that you need someone to intervene in your story. So that's what we'll be doing today. And honestly, looking up immediately, that's the thing we'll talk about first, it can make quick work of a difficult situation. It's like when we're uh, watching a movie and you already know where it's going to go, and you're like, if this character just knew this detail, wouldn't the movie be over? Sometimes this is because of... Uh, uh, a silly little plot detail. This usually happens in like superpower or superhero movies where someone just like hides in a certain way. Usually it's like in a ceiling kind of like this. If you can't see it, that's a person like holding the fire escape, leg split. Hey, you want to see another picture of this? Here's one more. It's Spider-Man. It's the original Spider-Man. Some of you guys don't even know this Spider-Man. It's okay. His name's Tobey Maguire. He hasn't been a lot of things. That's okay too, but he's hiding. And if you just looked up, the movie might be like over, but they don't look up. They just never look up. You know, this is in more movies. This happens to be another spider movie, right? This scene, if you remember it, just like looking up. Yep, they're just not looking up. They don't look up. I'm not going to reference that movie, but you can think about that one later if you know that title or are going to watch the Oscars tonight. Anyway, there's something about this practice where it's true. If you just look up to God and ask for rescue, sometimes like the drama is really over. It is, right? Let's be honest. Now, I love drama in my stories, in my movies, but increasingly, I'm trying not to love drama in my own life. Is anyone else there, right? Like, it's for the movies, it's for the books, but my life, I don't want any more drama, right? I'm like Mary J. Blige here. No more drama for me. Really, truthfully, life can be different. It really can. It doesn't always have to be dramatic. I'm learning that. I'm trying to practice that. We can look up and remember where our help is from and call on him. And it can change the situation immediately. Now, again, back to the drama. How many of us have a friend that when there's drama, we immediately, we're on the phone? Like, it's like the situation happens, we're already, you know, it's already here. And is this friend going to, like, de-escalate? Is this friend going to, like, give his advice, pray for us? No, we all know they're not. They're going to egg us on. They're going to be like, tell them. They're going to do all these things. 
And sometimes they listen compassionately when they should be doing something else. I remember a call, a distinct call. I feel like the Lord, like, let me remember this memory for a reason. And I just ranted. You know, I raved. It was for, like, about an hour. It was about relational stuff. It was about work stuff. And afterwards, like, in a moment, it was just clueless. I was like, man, I feel like if I would have prayed, this call would have been 15 minutes. And my friend goes, yeah, I know. I'm like, like, I just didn't check in with God. I was like, nope, I got a friend. I'm going to call, right? And I think that might be some of y'all. I think that's me still, right? Like, that's all of us. That we know we have people that we can call, that we can look up to sometimes, but it doesn't change the situation. <laughs> Many times, right, it gets us a little bit more heated, a little, little bit angry. Sometimes we go right to the next thing where now we've made things worse. When actually we could check in with God, and God is not like that friend. God's much better because he does listen, and he does care, but he also speaks truth to us and says those exact words we need for us to feel like, ooh, that, that hurt so good, God. That, thank you. I needed that. That was helpful, but also you saved me some things, some time. God gives us a posture that cries out for help and that lets us engage God first. And we actually see Jesus, who is God, model this kind of relationship with his Father. You know, there's tons of passages where he goes out before the day begins to be with God. He's sad, and he goes out alone to work things out with God. And then usually he's interrupted and then is drawn back into relationship. There's even situations that look like miracle stories for us, but they actually just were challenges to Jesus. But he looks up to the heavens. He looks up and almost gets like this blessing from the Lord, this connection, and it allows him to turn a challenge into a miracle. There are two stories I'll just pull out from the Gospel of Mark. One might be well known to you, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read both of them. Uh, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. This is after, you know, he was actually experienced a loss. People came and followed him, and then now there's all these people who are hungry. And Jesus says, let them come. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the only five loaves, the only two fish, and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. What we don't see there is like a divine phone call to an angel. Can you believe they did this? This boy only gave me two. Like, we, we just see him stop, right? Look to heaven to trust his father. God, back me up. You're here. A few, just a chapter later, another situation where people, again, are bringing Jesus a problem We know it is a miracle story, but they're bringing him something that isn't right, that's going to be hard for him, and Jesus deals with it. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ear, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked to heaven, and with a deep sigh said, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this time, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. He looked up to heaven. He looked up to his father. He was reminded of their connection. 
and God came through. There was rescue, help, even immediately. If even Jesus needed help, support, or connection, where might we be in our story? Where do we need immediate help from God? Where is the situation, if we're honest, just so desperate right now that we need God to move immediately? We need the Lord's work right now. And where might we be making our story even more dramatic than it has to be by not going to God immediately when we're experiencing hardship? What challenge in our life do we need to turn to God now and immediately ask for help? Recently, I was on a plane uh, a few months ago in December. I was on my way to Denver, and it was a meeting, the last executive team meeting uh, for the national vineyard that I was on, and the first few, one of the first few meetings of our national team. So it was kind of a reunion meeting, kind of a transition meeting, a celebration. And on the flight there, I, I realized, I was having a hard time breathing. And I noticed that my heart was just racing, kind of pounding a little bit. <laughs> I, was, I was really like struck. I was like, Tina, where? Oh, she's not on this plane. She's coming later. Okay, like, wh wh what's going on? I, I didn't know I had to kind of check in. And I, I realized that I was kind of running through some scenarios in my mind, you know, this team, one part of the team is kind of going off into like, okay, we're doing some other things and we're going back to like what we used to do. Another part of the team is like going into this national work, transition plans already settled, people already picked, some of whom they've known since they were like, you know, a little baby. That was not our story here at the Elm City Vineyard. Uh, spoiler, right? Uh, we kind of figured it out later than that. Like, I'm going to stay on as lead pastor. There will be an executive pastor. But this time there was heavy unknowns. And I think I was thinking in my mind, I was surprised I was thinking this, but sometimes we need rescue for things that we don't even know are an issue. I was like, well, I'm going to have to explain this really unclear scenario like dozens of times. <laughs> like, hey, what's happening? Like, how are things going? And I didn't realize it until like it literally took my breath away and I was on my way there. I'm a little bit like nervous about that. I'm embarrassed about it. I don't know what to say or what to do. And here I was on the airplane and I just had to kind of hold like the something, right? It was, it was not great. And I looked at the call help button, and I was like, is this when someone uses this? Like, what would happen? Like, I don't want to delay, like, my trip. I don't want to delay other people's trip. Like, so I was like, okay, it's a flight attendant. It's my sleeping neighbor, and I think it's Jesus. I'll choose Jesus. And I just, like, mouthed the, the name Jesus. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, until I felt like God was there, he was present. I said, I need you to help. I, I, I don't know what to do now. I, I don't know how to slow my own breath, how to have my heart stop racing. Like, and I just felt like he calmed me down. He calmed me down. And then I was actually able to process, oh, like, this is why that happened. <laughs> and actually I was able to be in a different place when I landed so much that I could actually talk to people on the team, the very people I was kind of embarrassed to talk to, about my experience. They gave me prayer and talked to me and encouraged me. And somehow, because I asked God to intervene first, I actually was in a different place when I landed. When actually in my mind, I was like, I don't know if this plane ever lands. Like, this plane might continue forever. Like, that's where I was, right? But God can do those things. He can change things even when you don't know you need rescue, even when you're in the middle of a thought pattern that's destructive, even when you're not sure how your own plan will land, how your situation will turn out. God can come and he can rescue you 
immediately. But you have to engage him. You have to look up. You have to ask for help. Looking up is powerful even when you're in a plane. I feel like it's probably more powerful when you're on the ground. You can look up the sky that God has created. Our eyes open up to the creation, this expanse that God created, trees or hills that God created that grow in seasons and cycles, waters and waves that move back and forth. We realize when we do that that God is our maker and that we are humble creation, but that God cares for us. He sees us. He does want to work with and on us. Part of what we need to do is recognize that the Lord is with us in a deep way, in a way that can lead to immediate change, but also in a way that can give us perspective about who we really are in the story. In the book of Isaiah, uh, we're just going to look at one part in Isaiah 40, but this is all over where you see a line about, you know, just like you look up and what do you see? You know, this one in 40, 25, 26 says, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I love when God kind of goes into almost like it feels like the spoken word poem about like nature. It's like, do you realize what I've created? Do you realize this big world? And do you know that each star says you're okay? Do you know each tree proclaims you're good? Do you know that each mountain says, I'm here with you and for you? Are you looking for what you need? And God, you know, kind of further presses in to hear. It says, so why do you complain then? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint." And we get that revelation by looking up, by seeing who God is and seeing how God proclaims himself through all of nature. Where might God want to invite you to look up as an exhortation and maybe even a gentle rebuke or correction because you've missed the mark in complaining about a situation instead of asking for help? It might not even be to that friend, but just to yourself or kind of just coming out naturally. Just complain. And that's natural. But what we do naturally or commonly isn't always the best. There's something in this prophetic word of, but can't you look up and see who God is? Where God just wants us to connect. And it's just about, just ask for help. <laughs> that's all it is. Like, that's the encouragement here. It's not like receive a punishment. or it's a, No, just ask for help. Engage me, right? That's what God's saying. There's a great kind of thing you can do as a diagnostic, just to see where are you complaining right now? Because probably where you're complaining is where you need rescue. Where you're often maybe grumbling, that's where God would love to change your situation. To begin a relationship where you can even go deeper, right? I hope that God will change things immediately, but even if that doesn't happen, now you're in a productive conversation, a generative conversation, not just complaining. Where might rescue look like perspective that God is on the move? 
and that asking for help will help you engage God, God's resources more than complaint. So we've talked about looking up immediately, looking up and around for context and perspective. Lastly, we'll just talk about looking up as a regular practice. I'll give you some invitations. We'll move into a time of response and a time of worship. These postures of humility, they're not merely proactive ones, not merely reactive ones. It doesn't just happen because, you know, we're in a bad situation, because we've lost perspective, we're complaining. It actually is something we can do regularly, proactively, to engage God. It can provide us great support, even if we're not really aware of, like, what we would need for rescue. I think one of the best ways to engage any of our practices, including looking up, is to attach them to maybe something you already do, like a practice you already have. For instance, maybe it's uh, when you're out in nature, you'll just say, I'm going to stop. Like, at, you know, a lookout point, I'm going to stop by water. I'm just going to say, God, I need your help. Help me. Maybe it's on your Sabbath when you might have a little bit more free time, free time with God. You'll just take some time to say, God, I'm just going to engage you and say, I want to ask for help. Sometimes we experience... Um, kind of like a crisis that makes us look up all the time in reaction because our life is full. We're kind of going from here and there. We're like, okay, I'm just going to, I need help, I need help, I need help. That's great. But there's also ways that we cannot just do it as a reaction, but to say, God, I'm going to carve out time for you, even beyond the specific prayer request I have, just to be with you as my rescuer, to be with you as my redeemer, to be with you as God. And rhythms can help us with that. They can cement the wider context that we are God's creature, that God is our maker. These rhythms can be places where we regularly engage and encounter God as our help. Last story before we get to a few invitations. Um, I think two Saturdays ago, so not yesterday, but the week before, I believe that was the last day of winter, um, I was on a walk. Sometimes we walk in our family. We were walking from our house to get ice cream, and I hear I shout, look up! It's Zoe. So I'm like, this could be anything. <laughs> and Zoe goes, a rainbow! I'm like, okay, like it's a sticker that she found. It's this or that. No. What she found was an actual rainbow in New Haven, a city where I do not experience many rainbows at all, right? I'm like, this is crazy. Now, again, sorry, I'm a preacher. So I'm like, this is definitely going in the sermon next week. This is amazing. We even took a selfie because we were so excited about it. Like, it's true, like, we looked up, but, like, there was something where Zoe was just saying, like, hey, like, guys, it's right there. She had, like, eyes to see it. Like, sometimes it's in the movie, and it's about, like, the plot or the villain. Other times, it's just life, and it's just good. And I connected it later. I was like, wait, was that actually the last day of winter? I was like, what? Like, this is, like, a prom like promises from God about, like, the last season and the new season. I'm like, it's great. I mean, like, I dare you to go to the spiritual formation day because, like, that's what happens. Like, these things that, like, you're like, that's just a story. And then you're like, is it a story or is it, like, a promise from God? I'm going to take promise from God and start, like, working that, right, in my spiritual life. Like, thank you, God, for what you did in this winter. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this spring. When we look up around us, yes, it's a little bit more like poetry, right? But poetry matters. I think everything we read today probably was a poem, right? Like, in Scripture, like, it matters for us to cling to things, to see things as we look up and say, God, we're going to thank you for that majesty. 
We're going to thank you for that moment that just worked out and came together. We're going to thank you for that surprising revelation that I got on that walk. And I'm going to take that into this next battle, this next work day, this next tough relationship. Because why not? We need the help anyway. So why not we kind of say, God, I think that was for me. That was for, for us. I mean, you could take this picture, literally, even just the thought, like, there was a rainbow in New Haven the last day. Like, take that. Make that meaningful to you. Pray into that. The Lord is pleased when we do that. God is up to something here. He really is. And for us, we can think right now, how can looking up be regular for you, maybe even daily? How would that look for you? Is it a walk? Is it spending time in Scripture or journaling? Is it walking with a friend on your Sabbath? Is it having a Sabbath in the first place, a 24-hour time to, to set apart part of your life to say, this is for you, God. I want to encounter you as rescuer and redeemer. Even if I don't know what's going on, even if I'm not sure what the problems are, would you show me this day? Would you help orient me to how you want to redeem me? This is what the Lord's willing to do when we say to him, I want to be rescued, God. I want to live life that needs a rescuer. I want to have a kind of call and purpose that requires a savior because I don't want this life to be all about me anymore. I want it to be about who you are and what you're doing in the world. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and go through just a few invitations before having a time of response. The first invitation is just getting real. Because if we say this word, but never present Jesus with our actual challenges, our actual problems, it's almost like we're trying to get God off the hook. But God's like, no, actually, this is who I am. So you don't, you don't need to get me off the hook. Sometimes we're like, okay, God, let me just have like an okay day. No, like actually ask for what you want. So where do you need help right now? What situation is it where you need support? And actually go to God and speak to God about that. Where does God need to remind you of the bigger story? Where's a place you might be getting lost? a little bit distracted or numb, paralyzed. Invite God to tell you the bigger story, whether it's a bigger story about who he is or the bigger story about who you are, maybe even the circumstance you're going through. And then lastly, what's a practice of looking up you could cultivate as a regular rhythm? As we move into a time of response then, worship, I just want us to... Uh, if it helps, close your eyes. You can lift out your hands. You can even look up if you want, if it's comfortable for you. Um, yeah, just get in a posture where you're just looking up. Holy Spirit, right now we ask for your help. And I pray specifically that some people in the room would kind of hone in on a situation where they need you whether it's a key relationship, whether it's something with their finances, whether it's a situation that feels like if you're not involved, it just won't work out. Maybe it's even how people see you, God. They want you to help them, but they just don't trust you right now. God, I pray in that place that you would be engaging them as their helper. And you would let them look up to you right now, God. They would look heavenward and you would pour out something over them, pour out a blessing, intervene in their life.
I just feel like there's a group of people here where you've been longing for a refreshment and you're waiting for a date. You're waiting for a time. Maybe it's the summer, maybe it's a vacation. And you, you're kind of putting a lot of your help <laughs> eggs in that basket. And I feel like the Lord's saying, the vacation's gonna be great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but right now, there's a chance for me to intervene. Like even before that time of rest, even before that date you're looking forward to, the Lord wants to say, can you just trust me more than that thing you're kind of hoping for? And it's not about, God's not against that, but he's saying, can you trust me right now? And wouldn't you want things to be better right now? So if that's you, just kind of receive that word and feel what it would be like to take a risk, to not wait for that like next date or after you're done with that assignment or that big project, but you could receive him now.